Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Dave Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. We move through the scriptures and we point out things we think you don't want to miss if it's your first time. (laughs) Welcome. Uh, We're in the New Testament this year. It's summertime. Um, We got a lot of messages because we said that about the Southern Hemisphere. Okay, what did they teach us? Um, I forgot, but it was really helpful (laughs) information. (laughs) You don't remember any of it? I do, but now I'm getting confused with what they said and with what is actually happening because, listen, (laughs) we're recording this right at the beginning of summer and there is a lot going on right now. May is the worst month of the whole year. So you're watching this after May. Congratulations. You made it through. Like you, you did it. Like that <laughs> ought to be celebrated and, and just, you know, revered. Way to go. Way to go. And now you're in the thickest summer with, uh, with everything going on. And it's unless good. Unless you're in the winter. Oh, yeah. Unless you're in the winter. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. True. True. Yeah. That's what started this whole conversation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is where we keep going every week. Yeah. But I'm just thinking about how. But Dave is wearing how... his shorts and his flip-flops and he's just embracing all of summer. Yeah. I, this is three months in the works here, embracing summer. Um, summer's crazy. Um, if you live in the northern part of the world, because uh, everyone's home and schedules are off a little bit. And, and so School's good luck. Ending School's ended. And, for some people. And you've got a lot of stuff going on, trips and everything. And sometimes you get you have to find a new rhythm. Yes, for study so and family study and that really is true about me. Is that true about you that I have like it in the school year? Yes, study? I started it. And <laughs> then, uh, well, I'm just wondering if like it is really that apparent for you. My yes. summer study is totally different than my fall, winter, and spring study. Yeah, everything That's what I'm is, asking you. is everything. That true? Yes, yeah. yeah, it is mm-hmm. just. A whole new ball game. I love when you're like, I started it. Everyone, you can thank David because he obviously is the starter of your summer study. I started the conversation. And then you you were like, also started this summer study program. Well, should I? Should I? I should announce one. P.S. We do have things that could help if you want. Um, the Instagram, if you follow the Instagram account, they are broken up every single day. If that's helpful for you, if like your podcast listening schedule is off or, or whatever, or, you know, if that's yeah. helpful, you but should know. But they're little like 10 to 12 minute segments if you want a day by day. Yeah, so that, that might help. Also, you might want to subscribe to the app. The best part of the app, I think, are the daily section. Because it's a day, I mean, for all year long, maybe particularly for summer, I don't know, but for all year long, it just is a great way to have a, a family discussion, a mini family discussion. Yeah, short. And just a, a couple verses to read and something to ponder or talk about yeah, over dinner yeah. or breakfast. For, yeah, little kids, middle kids, older kids. There's a song each week. Anyways, um, a, a great way to take it from just checking it off the box to a meaningful but short family discussion. So that might help. Um, if you want and to I think it's good to just acknowledge here because sometimes I like it when people acknowledge this for me that sometimes life allows different rhythms yeah. and you yeah. may have more time when the kids are in school to study 
than you do in the summer. And that's just like reality. That's true of all of us. And I think it's okay to like take care of yourself and say, this is what we're capable of in this season. And what I learned in my life as I was raising my kids up is it actually wasn't the quantity of time I spent in scripture. It was the fact that we did it every single day. That's what... um, like endeared us to the scriptures was the fact that we just actually opened them every single day. And one verse sometimes can be just as powerful as one chapter, depending on how you enter in. So I I think it's good to remember that I call it sprinkles um, because that's my favorite part of a cupcake is the sprinkles. (laughs) And I'll either eat the whole cupcake or sometimes I'll just eat the sprinkles and still good either way. Ooh. You're Is not it, a cupcake fan? No, I love cupcakes, but sometimes I don't want the. I like the look of the sprinkles, but they're a little oh, obnoxious to eat. I love they the slip sprinkles. in between your teeth, and it's just like. For breakfast today, I had a cupcake. Yeah, but I like the cake and the frosting, the right ratio. Too much sprinkles, it's like, oh, now you kind of. And Grace and I are such good companions to each other because you know what part Grace likes the most? The bottom. So I, I usually cut I off the top <laughs> like a muffin top with this much frosting. Yeah. That's the best cupcake in the world. <laughs> and then Grace loves me because she'll come home at night and open my cupcake box. And I just leave her the little... Both of y'all messed up. You need bottoms. better ratios. We can't. You need Jesus. Good thing this lesson is a lot about him. Both of y'all do. <laughs> he will fix this for you. It's fun. Um, did, the sprinkles. We were talking about summer sprinkles. Oh, yeah. Sprinkles. Little summer sprinkles. You're That's doing cute. fine. It's cute. Everyone, okay, you're yeah. doing fine. Um, all right. This is kind of part two-ish. Last week, we started into these last days. We, we followed Jesus and the disciples into Gethsemane and into the arrest. And we talked about last week, they were focusing on the, the people in the story, which actually I was thinking this morning as I was driving over, because we're going to do that again today. The events that happened today are, are, again, the central events today, last time, this time, and next time, the central events in, in human history, and they're important to tell. But I do love the fact that we are focusing on the people and their reactions and their responses, mm-hmm. because... If you were to, why all of this happened for people, that, that's what matters most is the, the way that we respond and react to what happened. The story itself is only valuable if it comes into the personal lives and minds and hearts of individual people. And so there's something, um, I think, beneficial about both. So tell the story and, you know, we did that with Holy Week and we'll and do it when you event. teach and watch them. Yeah, what what's happening but it's the people. But, yeah. It really is the people that you just love watching. How did that encounter? And I love, this one's called again, so if you're doing the journal, this one is again called In Critical Moments. How did they respond? So don't be confused if you see two right in a row because it really is the next week's um, worksheet. With five new people. Yeah. Um, but I, I just love that this is one of the most critical moments in all of history. Mm-hmm. And to watch how it affects people in such different ways, what their response is to this, what we call the atonement of Jesus Christ is so interesting because it just, it makes me want to ask myself, what's my response um, to the atonement of Jesus Christ? And what would I maybe learn from some of these people that would make me a better follower? Hmm. 
So we'll start with this first one, and then we're following the same schedule. I, I didn't put a picture of the journal page, but it's a similar journal page where you could print this out in class and people can, or as you study and kind of write some of the notes, we're calling the whole lesson at the cross. Do you want to click yep. over and, to the first guy? And it would be fast enough to do both lessons. If you are teaching Sunday school and there's a two-week lead up into it, it, you could do both worksheets in one lesson and you probably would have enough time because each of the stories are just these little vignettes of right. what's happening in those that last like 24 hours, really, uh, even though some are a little bit spread out either way, but that's what you're watching for. Right. So this is a, um, a story of Simon, our very first one, and you really just meet him for the very first time in this story. and A new Simon. Yeah, yeah, not, not Simon, Simon Peter. Peter. Yeah, Jinx, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um But in Mark 15 is where we're going to take this. And this picture I actually really, really love so too. much. I I've love never, it so much. I've never seen it before. If you're not on listening on YouTube or watching on YouTube, uh, go back and or open up your app and you'll be able to see the pictures are saved in the app if you have the app. Or go to the YouTube video and see this painting. It's just... Um, this part right here is actually my mm -hmm. most favorite part. Because I think it might be my favorite part of the story. It's um, This is the story of Jesus. Um, it starts in Mark 20, where, Mark 15, 20, where, I mean, you back up a little bit and, and you just get a glimpse of how exhausted he must be, the torture that he's been through, the the uh, humiliation that he's been through. The He's been kept up all night long. He's been moved from place to place to place. and and um, And at this point, you can imagine that Friday morning, he just is is depleted of everything. And it says when they had mocked him and they took off the purple from him and they put his own clothes on him and they led him out to crucify him. And in those days, you would carry the, that top side beam of the cross as part of the pain of crucifixion and the humiliation of crucifixion. Um, and um, as he's carrying that beam of the cross, in verse 21, it says, and they compel one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. And I actually love the way Mark tells the story, coming back to that whole concept of what we're talking about, of that people's stories are what matter, and where they interact with Jesus' story is, is where the magic happens. Because you really, really could have said, and they compelled one to bear his cross. And the verse could have ended mm. right there. But instead, you got his name, you got where he came from. You got that he was just passing by. You got that he came from the countryside. Um, and you got that he was a dad. And you got the name of his two boys. And it's interesting that it's like, look, all these are the things that are important to him. Where his home is, like what he's doing, that he's a dad, who, the names of his boys. You know, like yeah. all of these things are all part of... Who that, his story, that man yeah, who right. carried the cross. Yeah, that he's not just a painting and he's not a yeah. sculpture, but he actually was some um, someone with a with a story and a family and a dream and a and a challenge and, and all the things that everybody has. And and he bears this this cross. And I, you know, it's interesting they say they compel him, they pull him out of the crowd. And I know we've talked about that passion play nine hundred and eighty-four mm -hmm. times. <laughs> but last time maybe. I promise, because the passion play doesn't go beyond the resurrection. So really, <laughs> there'll be nothing for us to say. But um, they pull him out of the crowd and he's a little bit like, I don't want to do this. And then in the depiction there, he sees the face of Jesus, calls his name. And then all of a sudden, like 
things change and his willingness changes. And whether he knew him or whether compassion filled his heart mm. um, because of what he saw, he actually bears and carries that cross. And he wouldn't be able to take what Jesus was born and came to do. Like he would not be able to um, take that responsibility from him, but he could help him carry it in, in this particular moment. And um, I do think it's, um, it's, uh, it's interesting that, um, that, that it's a verb. He carries that cross that it compels to see Jesus in that moment compels him to do something you know, and I, and I think that would be a response that a lot of us could expect, you know, that if we actually hmm. saw that moment and saw the suffering, that it actually compels us to change whatever it is that we were, we were doing. Like he was just passing by. Yeah. And I love when you think about his boys, um, because you got the older son here, but look, don't you love that the younger son is just it's right, right there, there. With him. and walking along. And I love that in this rendition, Jesus has his arm around the older boy, which is so tender yeah. um, to me that everybody's helping. But I can't help every time I read Mark, think to myself, what did those boys learn that day mm-hmm. from watching that, that service, that from watching Simon take up the cross? And what do our own kids learn when we take up the cross and follow him that might be a lasting effect? And I think it's so important in Simon's lesson just to think um, when Simon carried that one action affected so many people mm. who were there. And, and that one encounter might have had lasting effect on more than just Simon, which I love, but I also love that you brought up that in verse 21, where it says, um, Simon who passed by, because that phrase is used again by Mark in 29. Were you going to go to this part? Oh, go ahead. No, it's great. Um, there's another group that once, once he gets there that also passes by. And I sometimes wonder if Mark on purpose wrote these two things where he's like, let me show you the role of a passerby. Um, of someone who maybe is not the principal character, but the role of a passerby and the change that can be affected in them because Simon passed by and ended up taking up the cross and his two boys who learned that lesson, whatever it was. But it tells us in verse 29 that they had crucified him, they cast lots, they wrote the accusation, king of the Jews, um, and they hung the one thief on the right hand and the other on the left. And then it says in verse 29, And they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. And um, also the chief priests were mocking and all of these people there. And it just it makes me think there were a lot of passersby mm-hmm. on this day in this moment, and there will be in life too, um, the, those that pass by and will have an encounter with Jesus, but not everyone will be changed yeah. by it and how important it is to remember that. Yeah, and it, and it just, it makes me wonder what did, what did Simon see versus what the other people yes. saw? They saw the same scene and yet they saw something entirely different yeah. from 
from each other. And their experience was so different yeah. um, because of it. Um, the next group we want to talk about are the women. And we love something that John Hilton has said about the women at the cross, and it might be fun to actually start with that. Oh, yeah. So I saw him um, posting and saying that I think it was um, the early Christian uh, writers used to talk about the, the women, and they used this phrase that they were last at the cross and first at the tomb. And when you read the story, that's chronologically true about them, but the lesson that that teaches mm. is actually most intriguing to me. Yes. La last one at the cross, but first one there in, in the morning tomb. Yeah, which I love. And, and that last one at the cross is what we read about in Matthew 27. Starting in verse 50, it tells us, when he had cried again with a loud voice, he yielded up the ghost. And then the veil of the temple is rent in twain, and the graves are opened in that moment. And many of the bodies of the saints which slept arose, and there came out, and they came out of their graves, and they went into the holy city, and there, and they appeared unto many. And so, imagine the commotion. Like I just, I want to think to myself, this wasn't a quiet moment when Jesus died. That there's so much commotion everywhere, and probably people who were standing there went to see everything else that was happening. And then it says the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done. And they feared greatly saying, truly, this was the son of God. Like it, it feels like this was a really profound moment in what was happening there. And then in verse 55, it just has this little verse that says, and many women were there beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him, among which was Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of Zebedee's children, which I just, I love this thought. And there's again, so many just little words in those verses that are standouts to me. But I love this thought, first of all, and many women were there. And you know this about me because we've been studying for enough time now that I just always take note of where women are mentioned within scripture and particularly within the church in scripture. And I love that in this, one of the most critical moments of history, women were present there, that they were um, watching, that they saw what had happened, that they beheld what was happening there. But then I also love their description of who they were. And the first thing is that they followed Jesus which I love that word followed means to be in the same way with Jesus. Mm. Don't you love that? Mm -hmm. um, that they were part of him, that they, they did what he did. Um, it, it could also mean um, discipleship or to be a disciple. That's part of who they were. But I also love um, that word ministering unto him. And that can be an attendant or a host or a friend. Um, it means to wait upon. And I love that thought of just to caring, to serve, uh, to minister. Um, sometimes it is attached to someone who is a Christian. And I love the thought of that too, that it, it, it would have been a name attached to a follower of Christ or a disciple of Christ. And just to think about that part that those women played who were actually so dear to him. One is his mother. Um, one has been companion of the 12 for all of the years of his 
ministry. Um, one is a mother of those that follow him who, who has to be so worried about what's going to happen to the others. And yet they don't shy away. Um, you know, they don't hide from what's happening at that critical moment. They show up and they follow and they minister. And there's just such a beautiful lesson, I feel like, in that. Okay, you we read this verse here in Mark 15, 39, as we were like, or, or the similar story. And actually, I like where you were a little bit better than Mark 15. So I'm going to pull an audible here. So remember, all these chapters are kind of the same story. But, you know, there's just, I think the words are a little bit better in Matthew 27. Um, just as you were reading it, I started thinking about that. It's um, Matthew 27, 54, or you can go to Mark 15, 39. And it's a story of this, um, the centurion, the Roman guard who was just on, on duty, you know, and this would have been, um, unfortunately, like a typical day in, in, in his service, you know, um, that Jesus wasn't the only one crucified. This would have been hundreds and thousands of people and day in, day out. It's just, and maybe he would have grown numb to the experience, you know, even. Yeah. But then you get a little peek into his heart um, here. But what happens is so interesting to me because in Matthew 27 version, verse 54, it says, Now when the centurion and they that were with him, and this is the phrase I'm so intrigued by, watching Jesus, mm. that um, what happens with him later, well, let me show you at the end, saw the earthquake and those things that were done, feared greatly and said, truly, this was the Son of God. So in the end, as he's he's there at the cross, this centurion believes, like he chooses to believe. But what leads to that belief is what's interesting to me when I was reading it. And what led to it was first watching Jesus. Mm. It reminds me again of that John 1 invitation that Jesus gave to his disciples where he said to them, come and see. Like, watch and see what I do. And he does, he watch. And then it says, and those things that were done caused great respect. That fear, remember, is that. They caused great, great awe in him. And his conclusion is, truly this was the Son of God. Like, it's interesting to me that that was the conclusion at the cross for the things that he saw. I was somewhere the other day and they sang as an opening song the... Da 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 Happier we happy. Happy. We are all enlisted. We are all enlisted. And there's a phrase in the first verse that says, rally round the standard of the cross. And like we sang it and I thought for just a second, like, oh wait, hold on hold on a second. You usually rally around a cause or you rally around an idea or you rally around a person. And I started to think just a little bit about, wait, what does that mean, the standard of the cross? And a standard could be a banner, right? Um, but I, but it makes me think as he watched Jesus and those things that were done, I was like, what would he have seen? What's the standard or the, the um, idea of the cross? And what he would have seen is he would have seen compassion and he would have seen forgiveness and he would have seen um, moving outside of yourself Mm. He would have seen um, a connection to God. He would have seen holy purpose. He would have seen promise. He would have, there's just And what about like even humility? Yeah. 
there's just you would Meekness. have seen and maybe above all like a s- sacrificial love mm. right and those are the hallmarks or the standards of Jesus or this like he learned the character of God greatest by watching Jesus on the cross and his conclusion is that is the son of God he bears the marks of God himself and surely he's part of the same cause and the same family as yeah. as God himself and, and 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 this is his conclusion by what he saw on on the cross and Paul later in the New Testament when we get to that will say this is the greatest picture of the heart and character of God is this moment right here and I think we could take that centurion's example and watch Jesus there and those things that were done and see if they don't cause that deep respect and belief that they caused um, mm. in him. Yeah. Our name for Jesus for the week is, um, th- we've zoomed this in a little, in case you can't see the posters on the side, they're sometimes hard. Our name for Jesus is Son of God. And it's this verse here but the, from Mark 15, where the centurion says, truly, based off what I saw and witnessed, this man was the Son of, of God. And um, that phrase is, is, a, is a phrase in ancient times, um, the the leader of a nation was the son of the god of that nation, and so this is a, a phrase that means king also. So, the centurion whose loyalty and allegiance mm-hmm. had used to be to Caesar, who had the title son of God, also switches his allegiance changes. In um, did I say that word right? Yeah, allegiance. Yeah, in this moment. Um, a deity, God, the divine, a transcendent being, what he saw. And it was based off of, interestingly, the kind of power that was witnessed there was a meek one and a sacrificial one. And it it moved him. It just makes me think like, whoa, those are the marks of Jesus. Those are the marks of Christianity. Those are what compel me to, to believe and compel me to switch my allegiances. Mm, it's so good. Um Then I love this one so much. I'm going to take you to Luke 23 for this part. And I think we talked about this at Easter, but just in case we didn't, I'm going to talk about it again because it really is my favorite part about this story. And this is going to be the part in the story where we learn about these two men who are next to Jesus. And maybe you remember me talking about this, but I had a good friend who we loved to sit together on her bed and talk about scripture. It was our favorite thing to do it. And we spent so many hours just talking through lessons in the scriptures. And one of the things that we love to study is the times when Jesus would meet someone where they were as they were. And we talked about the woman at the well and Peter on the water and the disciples in the boat and We would just, as we would go through, we would be like, don't you love that he met that gathering man right in the tombs? And it didn't matter where people were. You could be a leper in the leper colony and he would show up in that space. He didn't wait for people to come to him. He would go where they were. He sought them out. And so it kind of became a game for us where every time we were reading in scripture, we would be like, I found another one. I found another one. And then we would sit and talk about what did we learn about meeting people where they are. And truly that has been one of the greatest growing experiences of my life is trying to learn better how Jesus met people where they were. It's, it's made me a better disciple. It's made me a better 
follower in watching um, him do that. And I can remember um, that there was this week where she had had a surgery that had been very invasive. And when I showed up at her house, her entire head was wrapped in gauze, but even still you could see the stitches down her cheeks and down her neck and, and where her lymph nodes had been removed. And she was just laying there so still. And her husband had texted and said, can you come keep Chris company? She's just trying to fight through the pain of this. And so I went over to her house and climbed up on the corner of her bed that was my corner of the bed. And even though I call it my corner, there's probably 100 other women who will say it was also <laughs> their corner of the bed because that's how Chris ministered. And um, she said to me, tell me, what have you learned about Jesus lately? Which is how our conversations always started. And don't you want to start doing that with your friends? I'm just yeah. thinking to myself, I don't have a friend who asks me that anymore. What have you learned about Jesus lately? Which is such a great conversation starter. And so I had been reading in my scriptures and I said to her, oh, you're actually going to be so excited because I found another place where Jesus met someone where they were as they were. And I had said to her, I think it might be the best one. And she had said to me, could there be a best? And I was like, I don't know. This one actually is really good. And she said, okay, what is it? going to be. And I said, he met the criminal on his cross. And I'll never forget how she gasped in that moment. Like she just, it was like, you're right. It is the best one. And for me, this really is such a beautiful reminder that he does that. Like even in this moment, that was such an important moment for all of history for all of us. And, and sometimes we think of it as just him singular in that moment, that moment when he was there and, and we see the one cross. Um, and, and in fact, people wear the one cross. But I love that even in this, which is his like most critical hour, what is his response? And it is to meet that man on his mm. cross to actually have a conversation with somebody else in a similar situation and to lift them in that moment. Like that's really remarkable that that happens. And as you think about that conversation, it says one of the men who were hanged railed on him saying, if you really were the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answered and said, listen, don't, don't you have a little reverence for what is happening on here? Seeing you are suffering the same Thing he is like, I love that he's just like, where's the compassion? Where's the respect for him going through the same thing we're going through? And, and he said, and, and we actually deserve to be here. But the man says, from everything I can tell about him, I don't think he even deserves to be up here. So I love that there's one of them that is just trying to reconcile what is happening here. And then I love when he says to Jesus, Lord, remember me. Mm. And I just, I want to think to myself, it really is so amazing that he did. That in that moment of greatest pain and greatest sacrifice and greatest submission, he met that man in his greatest pain and, and lifted him and listened to him and gave him hope mm. in that moment. Today, you will be with me in paradise. And 
it just makes me want to think to myself, all of us probably have somebody who's in pain right now, who's struggling even maybe with belief. And um, how well are we doing at meeting them as they are? And also where they are instead of um, being in a place where we're like, well, I'm living up here. And if you choose to live up here with me, I can change your life. But there's just something so significant when he's like, here, actually, this is going to be a better lesson if I can meet you where you are, Mm. as you are in this. If I will condescend to your experience and try and understand it better with you. And then what was his job in that moment? Just to give hope. Yeah. That was it. He, he just brought hope into that moment. And there's a, a lesson to be learned there. And maybe you'll look back over what we've studied for these past months in these gospels because you start watching how he meets people. Like I'm, I'm still so intrigued, the man at the Gadarene, that he was like, what does he need? in this moment, clothes. What does the woman at the well need in this moment? Water. You know, he just, he was really good at meeting people in their place. And I just, I wonder if we could be better at that. And I love what we learn from this lesson is no matter how hard life is, we can meet people where they are and we can bring hope. And that's what that, um, that thief, was given on that day was actually hope. Yeah, and I actually do love that he's called the thief on the cross. You know, we don't know his name. Yeah. Because we, everybody else maybe saw him by his crying or by what he deserved. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting that Jesus, like even in his, he, like, he deserved the cross, right? It was a, he, like it was a punishment for a crime he actually committed. Yeah. And still Jesus turns like that into a place of, of hope, you know, yeah. it's like, and saving yeah. and recovery, right? Like Racist. you're not lost. You, you feel like this is, feels pretty final. Right. And, and, and yet there's still hope. Right. And I just feel like only Jesus can, can turn a, a crucifixion hill into a place of hope and, and paradise for him and for, for everyone. And I'm also super compelled by the idea that he like, there are seven statements that Jesus makes from the cross. Oh, in fact, we oh, that's one tip-ins. of the tippins. Oh, I'm so glad You're I gonna just said that. You're going to want to put that in your right scriptures here. this week because they are so awesome. Yeah, okay, I didn't even mean to do that. I'm so glad we that's... went there. So what the tippin for this week is um, those seven statements. And that's a fantastic study by itself if you were to take a week, right? Seven days of a week and each of the statements on the cross and each of them are a sermon, right? By yes. one at a time. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. And we, the tip in has the references on there and, and everything for you. Um, but I, you know, when you, you know a little bit about crucifixion too, it, it would have been terribly difficult to speak. It was, it was it almost, it was, there was a struggling for breath. And so those seven statements like each word mm-hmm. would have been a, a labor to, to speak. And, and the fact that you start looking at some of them and a few of them are for God, which makes sense. And um, one for his mother, mm. which makes sense. One's about his pain, 
That makes sense. One's a promise. That makes sense. But it's intriguing that one of them's for the thief. Yeah. On the cross. And when you learn the heart of Jesus, at first it seems like, oh, that's interesting that he would use some of his final breaths on him. But once you learn his heart, you will also, I think, say, oh, that makes sense. That, that one of his statements would be for him. Mm, I love that. When, when Jesus is taken down from the cross, we just get this scene with people that we've met before, particularly Nicodemus we're familiar with. And you can't see the painting if you're listening, but you should go and see this painting that I found too, because it is actually so... <laughs> yeah, watch the YouTube. Sweet. The, I, I just, this part here, I, I just love that he's holding him. And, and in the Matthew version, it talks about Joseph of Arimathea going to Pilate. And the word that Matthew uses is he says, and begs the body of Jesus. And, uh, and, and, and it says in John 19... Uh, he came therefore and took the body of Jesus. And then 39 says, And there came also Nicodemus, which at first came to Jesus by night. That's the very first time that we met him as a secret disciple. Yeah. Um, there was a lot at stake here for these two men. They were leaders in the, in the Jewish community, in the Sanhedrin. And they would risk not only their status in the Sanhedrin, they would risk their lives even, um, their reputations, their families, their, their income, safety. their safety, like everything about them would be at risk. And so we don't know why Nicodemus came at night, but it's interesting that John brings up that, the, hey, remember him? The first time we met him, he came as a secret admirer and disciple of, of Jesus. And this time it says he brings a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. And they take his his body off in in full light of day this time. And um, we there is a place in Jerusalem where you can go that is a, one of the proposed spots of uh, the crucifixion and burial of of Jesus. It's called the Garden Tomb, and it's just it's beautiful. It's breathtaking, and it's um, in the middle of a busy city, and yet somehow it has a serenity about it. And they. There at that place, they have kind of missionaries, kind of, you know, these yeah. people who volunteer and come to take you through. And, and their job is to tell you the story of Jesus. And last time that we went, um, anybody who's on our tours is going to just like tell everyone in the room right now, like, shh, this part's so good because yes. this guy is so Yes, awesome. he was so cute. We, we had this loved him. man from Texas who just came and... And you I, have to tell, he chose, it was his retirement. Yeah. You've got to tell this part. Yeah, he, um, when somebody asked him, so how did you start doing this? And... And he just said, well, when I was about to retire, he said, people uh, asked me what I was going to do. And I said, well, I could golf, or I could fish, or I could come up with another job. And then he said, but I decided that I wanted to spend as much time telling people about the good news of my Savior, Jesus Christ. So I said, we came over here. And it's the best way I've decided I could spend my years of retirement. And you just and, love that he shows up every day at the tomb to testify of the tomb. Yeah. That's what he comes to do every single day. And he tells that story. And we saw him several times. And I'm not kidding you. He tears up every time. He's so passionate about sharing the good news and we also tear up every time too he even speaks. though we know what he's gonna say because <laughs> he's just so tender oh, about 
being there. And this just Texas backwoods fella, like, and he just, and he's got, and then, like, when he talks about, they took his little body. Yes. And when he said, and they washed him, when he said washed, I was like, that is the moment that my, like, tears start coming because I just think, oh, and it's sweet because that's that man's finest offering. Like, he is Nicodemus, and he's Joseph in that moment where he said, I begged a chance to come here because it, the story and the body and the life of Jesus ought to, ought to be given every, my very, very best that, that I have. And one of the lines that he said that I just want to always remember is he said, talked about Joseph and Nicodemus, and he said, and they were secret disciples no more. That he first came as a secret disciple, but that changed. That changed for him when he saw how what Jesus would lay down on the line for them it compelled him to now do the same, to reciprocate that love and devotion and a secret disciple no more. And they mm. come and with the very best they have and they give him their, the very best tomb that they, could, that they could put him into. And I just, I love seeing here that Joseph and Nicodemus risk everything. And, you would, and, and it's clearly what they learned from Jesus, that he risked it all. He gave it all to save and, and rescue each and every one of us. And, and they saw it and it moved something in them to, to do the same. Like we won't be secret disciples anymore. We're, we're proud of this story. We're, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're confident in our, in our beliefs. Like we see the power and the majesty of this. And it seems like that's just what you see in this whole Yeah, well, and lesson. I love in that Nicodemus part of the story, I actually have written in my John chapter three, where we meet Nicodemus the first time. We don't know when Nicodemus started to believe, but we know he did. Mm. And we know because of this moment right here. And that's always been really sweet to me. Um, That fact that on, um, when we read John chapter three, and he comes in the dark of the night and he leaves in the dark of the night, we could easily write him off mm. from the rest of the story and just say, well, he didn't choose. To, he could have chose to follow and he didn't. And, and in our mind, that could be the end of Nicodemus's story. And he doesn't show up again until John 19. He just never shows up. Um, but all of a sudden he shows up as the person who begs the body of Christ. Like that's kind of a big show up in that moment. And um, it makes me think of this. Do you care if I take the liberty to share a story really quick? I don't even know how long we've been, but this is going to be, I'm going to take you off course, but I'm going to bring you back. Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) I um, have been thinking a lot of this because all of us have family members um, who maybe are a little bit like Nicodemus, who are um, in the dark of the night and trying to figure out what they believe about Jesus and you know, where are they? And in our mind, we might just check off, well, they've decided not to have a relationship with Jesus. And we might just write them out of the story. We might do that. And it's interesting because I've taught Nicodemus so many times. And every time I teach him, I will use that exact same phrase. We don't know when he started believing, but we know he did. Mm. 
And um, it's interesting because when I sat in President Nelson's office in December, and I had that sweet opportunity to hear him talk about my grandparents who served a mission in Fiji. And as he was telling me the story, he used those exact same words, word for word that I have mm. um, about my own grandpa, my mm. grandpa Mickey, when he said, I don't know when he started believing, but I know he did. Mm. And, um, it was so sweet to me to think, like, I love the story of Nicodemus, but I really love the story of my grandpa yeah. and knowing that he went through that um, reconciling and figuring things out. And one of the sweetest things is that President Nelson actually spoke about my grandpa in a general conference talk in, mm. a, in a priesthood session. And it's because my grandpa had a heart surgery that was performed by President Nelson. And um, it was a surgery that actually didn't end up successful. And President Nelson wasn't sure that it would, but it was my grandpa's only chance. And he talks about sitting on the edge of my grandpa's bed and telling him that the odds were not in his favor and did he still want to proceed. And then my grandpa said to him, my life is ready for inspection, so I'm okay whether it works out or whether it doesn't. And I just think about that with Nicodemus, that somehow he had gotten to a point where it didn't matter what happened hmm. because of this. His life was ready for inspection. And um, making this decision became his most important decision of his life. And I just, I love the lesson in that for all of us who have someone who is maybe wrestling or wandering or reconciling right now. Um, just the truth that um, it doesn't really matter when we choose to believe. It just matters that we do. And yeah. everybody's journey is going to be different. And you could have written Nicodemus out in John chapter 3, but Jesus didn't um, because he shows up again in chapter 19. And that's 16 chapters of wandering, yeah. right? Of that story still being written. And don't you love the hope in that? That, that it's okay if you're in the middle of the 16 chapters right now. Um, but believing can still come. That's such a beautiful story. Yeah. And I did, I, you said that line that just is like, kind of brings us back to the beginning of that. I, you know, I love Nicodemus's story, but I really love my grandpa's story. And that's the, that's the beauty of the, the cross. It's the beauty of what happened here that it like, it seems so big and it is, and it, and it is so universal and it is. And yet I think the great power of the cross is when that story comes into individual hearts mm. and it, people with names and people with stories and and that's what's so beautiful about that. that. Remember that line that Caleb said when we, I think we, mm -hmm. Holy Week, if you missed yes. it, my little Caleb, when we hiked up to the cross in Spanish Fork and he said, hey, you know that green hill far away? Um, I was like, yeah, because we sing that song so often during COVID <laughs> church. It's the only song we sing. You know that green hill far away? And I said, yeah. And he said, I found it. It's right here. And then, see ya, and scurries off the hill, but... That's, that's what's true. That's what's true about this story is what happened on that green hill far away can be right here. 
and happened 2,000 miles and 2,000 years ago, but it can be here. It can, it can come into our hearts and our lives and, and the impact of it can be felt today, starting today. And, uh, and that's so beautiful. It's a yeah. beautiful and, lesson. And I love, too, that invitation at the very end of this worksheet. Um, it, it starts out like this, in critical moments, how did they respond? Um, but the very last square asks this question, how would you? Mm. And I just, I love that thought after everything we've talked about these past two weeks. Uh, what is our response to this encounter? And how will it affect us in different ways? And what was the standout to you from this week that you're like, oh, that was the part I yeah, there. That's my story. You yeah. know, like you might say, oh, the, I'm, I'm them, you yeah. know, as you, as you read this. Yeah. So. so, so good. So many good things. See you next week. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.